everyone and welcome to another edition of the Boundary AFLW podcast heading into round three of the AFLW season. My name is Nick Degrapontis. And I am still Chloe Malloy and I got uh, bagged by my partner for saying that, so I'm going to say it again. So Wait, what, what's happened there? Come at me. Oh, I just got teased. <laughs> anyway, move on. For I'm, saying you're still Chloe Malloy. I'm still Chloe Malloy. Well, why, it's why? not as funny as I find it. Is that implying that like week to week something might change name wise or? Yeah, like we always we always introduce ourselves and I'm like, yeah, I'm still Chloe Malloy. Like from the first show to now, my name's still Chloe. <laughs> well, fair enough. I mean, you never know. You do never know, you actually. Might... The world is changing very constantly, you might... so you do never know. You might get drunk one day and just be like, yeah. Let's I'm going to go legally change my name. Well, the latent name is free now. You can take that one if you want. <laughs> I like Malloy. I don't... Uh... The Malloy name has Collingwood history. Yeah, it does actually. So you gotta you gotta stick by that. Um, but anyway, thank you very much for for tuning in um, once again. We was that a tangent record or? Yeah, I think it was. We always tend to well, not With, we, maybe I. Within no, the first twenty seconds, I'm or... a bad influence on you. No, it's good. I like <laughs> it. Anyway, so today on this edition of of the pod, uh, the of the podcast, I'm not going <laughs> to cut that out. Um, I can't speak. Uh, we've got our first ever Collingwood guest because. You know, it never even crossed my mind. No, I, I've actually that, done something for this podcast and I've actually got as a guest. That also hadn't crossed my mind, but that's true. It's, it's your first guest you've organised. Yes. Ruby Schleicher, Collingwood Defender. Am I saying that right? Yeah, Schleicher. Schleicher, okay. Well, she's she will be joining us uh, a bit later in the show to talk about the pies. Um, she's been, I genuinely think she's been one of the most improved players in the comp this year and I think that increased role uh, in that backline has really helped her. Yeah, and and as she mentions um, in the interview with um, with her, she had that season under her belt, and she's just kind of come out of not out of nowhere. It's just she's slowly been progressing um, and getting better, and yeah, this year's just been the year that she's like announced herself to the league. So, um, you know, being a close friend of hers, it's pretty. You know, I'm pretty proud of her to watch her progress because um, we've been friends for a while now. So, yeah, it's amazing what she's been able to do and. Um, yeah, she's been one to watch so far, and I'm pretty sure you should. Everyone should keep a keen eye on her for the entire of the season and for as many more years as she plays. Well, if she's not in the votes for the round two game, then the umpires are, are wrong. Agreed. They've been wrong a lot. So, um, <laughs> so on this episode as well as that, we're going to be going through our questions uh, without notice, as per normal. We'll go through the news in just a second. We're also going to go through some some of our takeaways from the first uh, fortnight of the season, some of the things we've noticed, uh, and you know, just little things like that. But we'll do that after after Ruby. So, as always, let's start with some news. Uh, it's the round three fixture, things are, are coming out weekly at this point. Uh, it's, it was a pretty loaded fixture when first announced. Adelaide Frio, of course, seems like the, the headliner. Melbourne and North, unfortunately, at Casey Fields. What a waste. Mm-hmm. Um, sh- should be at either Marvel or Icon Park. Carlton and St Kilda is a, is a must-win game for, for both clubs, really, at this point. We'll get to that one a bit later. And then we don't really know what's going on on Sunday. Well, I mean, I think I know, but no one else wants to go with it just yet <laughs> as, as of time of recording that um, I haven't spoken to you about this yet because I think um, I don't want to, you know, throw you under the bus or anything. But from what I've been told, that Colin would be playing Richmond on Sunday, not Brisbane. And I feel like at this point, do you have any information on that? Well, we've been told to prepare either way. We could end up getting a chartered flight to Brisbane or we could end up walking over to Punt Road. Um, we've just been told to prepare prepare for both because I think um, as of recording, we've had zero cases today. 
Um, but the SA border's just closed to us, so I don't know. We need to be, you know, flexible and, and, and be able to adapt because we saw last week for us yep. we were put in position where we were playing Gold Coast uh, and then we are playing Geelong. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I'd like to tell you more, but it, I don't know. That's fair just enough. roll with the punches. From what I've been told, you're playing Richmond on Sunday and Brisbane's playing West Coast. So that's that's where I think things stand, which is a bit of a shame because Brisbane would have been such a good test for you guys, first trip interstate. But we'll see how that plays out. Unfortunately, the nature of a podcast means by the time you listen to this, you probably know whether I'm right or not. Don't tweet me about it. <laughs> I was nervous about it yesterday. Anyway, other news around at the moment. Uh, Crystal Petrovsky, unfortunately, for Melbourne, has been ruled out for the season with a severe hamstring injury. Um, we're seeing we're seeing uh, the the shorter preseason, maybe, starting to claim a few in terms of these soft tissue injuries, maybe. Yeah, well, we had... Um... North Melbourne, who's the defender there? Britt Gibson. Britt Gibson, out with a hamstring as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that is a case of the, the long break kind of taking its toll. And then um, if we go over to the West Coast, there's oh. lashings. Like, well, not lashings. That's, that's just a freak. Dana Booker's a knife's knocked off the, the kitchen bench and has, um, you know, she's torn a tendon. And then, and then one of the girls during the game copped a... Paris Laurie, was yeah. it? Yeah. She came back on, I think. Did she? Yeah. Did they ever conclude what happened and how she got that? I'm not sure, but she looked pretty despondent on the bench, but then came yeah. back on, and so good on her. I mean, But, yeah, how freak accident. Oh. But it actually, like, I think we've all had it where we've knocked something off the bench and you move that quickly. That you're like, oh, that could have ended really bad. Mm. Um, and then for it to actually happen. For it to actually happen, and then, yeah, it was just so random, so random, but... That is such a huge loss for the West Coast Eagles. I don't want to say it. They're not going to win a game now. That's just me. Mm. I don't think they're going to win a game this year. And that's a bit of a shame, especially if they have to spend more time on the road. I think Dana Hooker already carried such a heavy load for that team. But who knows? Who knows who will stand up? I think Aisling McCarthy is one of the fastest rising stars in the game. Emma Swanson is a great leader. They just need more. They need more players around them. Yeah. And unfortunately... I, Again, we don't know 100% just yet, but if that Richmond game is off, that was a huge opportunity for them. Instead, having to go over to, to Hickey Park to play Brisbane, that's a that's a tough ask. Especially with the momentum Brisbane's got at the minute. Some serious momentum they've got. I I don't think either of us saw the Gold Coast game live. Did, 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 you, did you watch it live? Because no. I went to basketball at halftime and came back and what the hell happened? No, because I, I don't, actually don't know what I was doing. But I was preoccupied. I was doing something. Um, and I didn't get to watch it, but you messaged me and you were like, what the, what the, and I was like, I turned it on. I was like, oh, oh, okay. I, I, I've since watched the replay because that's, Ooh. that's our jobs, but like, jeez. <laughs> I mean, it was a 40 degree day, so you can almost, you can excuse them not being like off a bit. Cause... But then they play, that's where they, that's the climate they live in, both yeah. teams. Jeez. What a, what an interesting game. So yeah, I hope for, for punter's sake that we do see Collingwood Brisbane this week because I, I'm so curious to see just where this Brisbane team is. Yeah, I'd love to play. I'd like, I'd love a challenge. And I think Brisbane, like as we'll get to later and I'll probably double up myself here, Brisbane are almost the team to beat at the moment. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they kind of, it's like, it's like um, they're underdogs, but they're not anymore. <laughs> yeah. But yet we're still referring to them as underdogs. I'm not 100% bought in just yet because they've beaten Richmond Ooh. and Gold Coast. So Okay. This this round would have been so important, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, that's okay. Um, anything else going on? The gap 
in the ladder is interesting. So the top six teams have a percentage, all percentages like well above 150. The top few have percentages in the multiple hundreds. And then the teams down the bottom, especially the bottom four, are all in the 40s. Are you concerned at all about the gap? little bit. It's concerning in the fact that I kind of look into the crystal ball and look ahead and I think that the top six is going to be dictated by percentage. Yep. Which means that like every, well, not that every game is not ever crucial, but it's almost like once you've got a lead, it's like we just need to keep putting the points on the board because at one stage it might come down to the percentage like we saw in the conferences, Melbourne. Yeah. You know, that came to bite them in the bum. Um and conceding late goals to, to teams when you've already got the lead is actually probably going to sting more than it would because I think we're sitting we're sitting out of the top six. Are you? Purely on... Oh, no, we might be fifth. Hold on. Let me Google this in real time. Okay. I'll play some elevator music. That's kind of circus music, but that's... <laughs> that's definitely not <laughs> what elevator music sounds like. Uh, you guys are sixth. Yeah, purely on percentage. It's a though. pretty good percentage of 181. Yeah, and we're out of the top six on percentage. So I think it is concerning um, how big the gap is, and uh, I'd like to see it in at, at the halfway point um, because, yeah, I feel like percentage is going to play a massive part when yeah. it comes down to finals. Because it's interesting that four of the bottom five teams are expansion teams. Obviously, Gold Coast, Richmond, and West Coast are in there. GWS, we think we can give them a break considering everything oh, they've yeah, been we through. Need to lay off them, we're think. not, we're not, we're not throwing the boots at GWS at nope. all here. And then Geelong, who obviously they were they were better on the weekend. I thought against oh, you guys, they were better. They threw everything at us, and fair enough. Like coming off, it was kind of like a chance for them to either define themselves as a team that's willing to get smashed um, on their home soil, or they're going to come to our home soil and absolutely give it to us. And that they did. So you know. I wasn't surprised by the way they played, but I definitely pulled up very sore from that game. And fair enough, I wouldn't like to be smashed and, and then come out the next week and just, you know, stand for that. So it was, yeah, it was kind of their legacy on the line. So um, all respect to them. They threw everything they had at us. They scored within the first what, 30 seconds, 20 yeah. seconds even. Yeah. Um, so that was concerning. Um, I almost thought at one stage, you know, we're, we're not switched on here. We might get done. Um and, yeah, credit to uh, Geelong that they, yeah, threw everything at us. But, you know, we managed to pull our heads out of our bums in the second half. Um, it's also interesting up the other end of the ladder, the top nine clubs, only two of them are expansion clubs of the top nine. So that's North Melbourne, who obviously are calling them an expansion club is kind of wrong. Oh, it's right, but it's also doesn't feel right. Right, but wrong because they bought, they're buying, they've got... A star-studded team. <laughs> You'll get tweets about that. Um, St Kilda as well, who are in there, but I think they've 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 got the one win. Um, they're the only they're on the bottom of the teams with wins, but also I think that's credit to Peter Sell and the, the team they're building there as well. But yeah, the other the other teams in the top are all uh, the the five-year-old teams. There you go. Okay. The, the does the talking, doesn't it? So yeah, I think that's another reason to hold off on further expansion just yet is let's let this league settle, and so there's not. Four, like there's not nine teams trying to play catch up instead of yeah. instead of uh, six or whatever it is. But anyway, let's get into our questions. I've I've got a good one for you, also based on the ladder. <laughs> I'm going to ask you because I'm personally worried. I'm going to ask you: Is Carlton's season over if they lose this week? It's hard to come back from. If they lose this week, it's a mental game of the first. Well, it's even a mental game now. They're zero and two, and that's the first time they've ever been zero and two. And yep. The way Doggies played on the weekend, I thought I thought Carlton were going to roll them, um, and that did not 
happen at all. Um, I don't think it's over. It's never over with the way the AFRW is and, and how teams can, you know, expect it to win and then don't or it just is – you're just so unknown. I don't think season's over, but <laughs> – by gosh, they make it hard for themselves oh, because yeah. then it, it's almost a case of have they've run. got to win every yeah. single game confidently. And, yeah, uh, I don't think they'll lose this weekend. I just don't think they're a team that are going to take Owen too very lightly, especially knowing the people in the camp. Um, it would have absolutely burnt them on the weekend and really stung, and I'm pretty sure their training this week would have been a solid, solid session. Um, so I can't see them coming out and losing, but if they do, it's almost every game from yep. then on is is a must win. Half said it himself. He said they were they were awful. I, I wouldn't go that far, but he's the coach, so fair <laughs> enough. Um, God, they could not handle the Bulldogs' pressure in the same way they couldn't handle Collingwood's pressure in round one, and I think that's a worry. Um, but good news on the injury front, Laloifi, Pound, McAvoy, all expected back this week. And one thing I think people haven't really considered with Carlton is they were missing six of their best 18 players from last year, which is a fair chunk of your best 18 from a team that was pretty steady last year it's in terms third. of... Yeah, it's a third of your team. So that was Sarah Hosking and Chloe Dalton, who are obviously not there anymore. Mm-hmm. You're missing Laloifi, Pound, and McAvoy, and also Brooke Walker. So six of their best 18, not there. So that's hard to replace. But they're getting three of them back this week. So it's a huge game for both Carl and St Kilda. St Kilda can't afford to be going uh, one and two, considering their percentage as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I was about to ask you what what is why have Carlton gone gone zero two? Because there was all this media hype that they were the mm. team to beat. They were the premiership team. Is it just because of missing those teams, or is it come down to other things? No, that's that's a good question. I think I think the simple answer is Collingwood. You guys outplayed them. You outplayed them for more of that game than they outplayed you. And then when they controlled the game, they couldn't score. The Bulldogs game, they couldn't get the ball out of their back line. Um, the Bulldogs took advantage. They kicked quick goals. This, yeah, there's something that feels r- different about this Carlton backline. I think. I think that's where the difference is. You guys scored goals out the back. The Bulldogs scored goals out the back. I don't know whether Gab Pound is that important, but she obviously hasn't been there, and she's been the steadying hand across all five seasons in that backline. So whether her missing is is the key component, I'm not sure. But I don't know whether it means teams have figured out how to play Carlton, figured out how to beat them, but. It's not. It's not ideal, and if and Peter Sell is is a smart cookie, she she will work it out. So it's a big game at Morabin this week. Definitely, and St Kilda, you spoke about two teams that have scored out the back. St Kilda are also mm. a team that score God. over I'm the back. Get, they're going to get burnt by Kate McCarthy. Aren't they? I was going to say Kate McCarthy's going to have another highlight. <laughs> yeah, God, she was good on commentary too. By the way, shout she was out, very shout good. out to Kate McCarthy. Yes, yeah, shout out to you, you Kate Mac. When, uh, when's your Fox Footy debut? Um, well, it's hard to lock in something when I can't even lock in a game. Um, don't know. Pending. Pending dot, dot, dot. TBD. Pending dot, dot, dot. Um, question for you. Same sort of trend. Who wins Adelaide or Fremantle and why? I think Adelaide win. I think, um, they're not going to step back from Fremantle's pressure. Yep. Um, Fremantle, very physical team. Um, they like to come at the footy hard and fast and, in most cases, they do when they end up winning the footy. Um, I think Adelaide just got the class, more of a classy side. But my gosh, I think it's going to be one of the best hitouts this weekend. I think Chelsea Randall coming up forward is scary. Um, yep. I, I don't know who the Dockers could match up on her 
Um, you almost need to put a defense, like, well, you know, someone who's going to go with her because Randall just seems to impact everywhere she goes and almost nullify her game. Um, I think the matchup between Turbo and Phillips that is going to be, be pretty awesome. Um, I just think, oh, I'm like trying to think ahead of it. I'm like, you know, Adelaide have got so many good forwards, probably more. X factor forwards and more forwards that can have an impact on the game than Freeman will do. But then, as I say that, I'm like, oh, you've got Duffy, yeah. you know, you've got Houghton, you've got like Roxy Roo who can come from the ruck and impact the forward. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I actually, I actually don't know. Like, they match up so well, but then they play such different game styles that, yeah. I, but I still, I still think Adelaide will will get this one. Yeah. Um, I think Ponta's going to have a game. I think they're well, going to be. Kicked, she kicked three on the weekend. She did. She did. I think they're just going to focus, maybe more on those bigger star players. You know, Aloise Jones is sneaky, but then so's Duffy. Yeah. So they got like at each end of the ground, they've got players that could really, you know, it's, win a game off their boot. It's also Fremantle, and this is just from my personal opinion. Fremantle's first game against a contender interstate since the 2019 semi-final against Carlton. So it's their first real crack at winning a big game on the road since then. Obviously, last year was COVID-impacted. They didn't end up playing Carlton and Melbourne at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So this is it. All of all, I have, I have been a bit of a doubter of Fremantle, and I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with that. This is the week to prove me wrong. Can you win against the top team on the road? Can they? We'll find out. We will. I mean, they, they've... They've benefited from from the fixture, which is fair enough. That's out of their control. Beat who you can beat who's in front of you. Yep. Adelaide is in front of you, and if they if they lose this game, to me, it says that they're a tier behind the top teams who they haven't played in a year and a half. So this is quite a defining match for Fremantle. I'm, you believe I will be watching it very closely. Yeah. Well, my question to you: in the MRO 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 is that yep. what it is? We've had a lot of um, dangerous tackles. Do you think we need to invest more in the skills or are we being a bit hard done by? Maybe it's just bad luck. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to pretend to be a, a tackle expert or a or a gameplay sort of what happens in the heat of the moment, one second to react to a situation. Um, who who was it on the weekend? I can't... I can't... Chris Parker's got done. Yep, um, I yep. think a GWS girl. And at, every time I've like looked through the oh, tweet, yeah, it's right. always been... Yep. Dangerous tackle, dangerous tackle, dangerous it was, tackle. It was reprimand, a, yeah. reprimand. I'm like, oh god, there's just so many. The, the GWS beats. one was there. That was that was a pretty pretty dangerous one. I can't remember who the player was. I'm sorry, but um, yeah, the Adelaide player came off pretty shook. So that that was that was pretty reasonable. Didn't see the Chris Parkers one. I personally have an issue with the MRO fining AFLW players. That's just a personal thing. I know they don't get the actual finalist they challenge, mm-hmm. but like, pay people a livable wage before you find them 400 bucks. There's got to be other ways to disincentivize stuff. Or, or work out a formula so it's a certain percentage of that player's pay because we're not, no, like no AFW player is kind of on the same pay. Mm. So for example, like you're not going to find a tier one player the same as you would find a tier four player. It's almost like you need to do, figure out a formula for the percentage of their pay yeah. if you want to find them. Yeah. Which, and whatever number that comes out to be. Because for us here in the real world, like we're not AFL players who are on a base salary of like 100k, 400 bucks is a big fine. It's a massive fine. That's a huge fine. Yeah, like definitely. I, they've got to they've got to see it like that, I think, and I don't think they do. Um, last question for you: Who of the players around your age or younger that 
from the first two rounds has really caught your eye, if anyone. Mm. I can do the elevator music this time if you want. <laughs> Who's caught my eye? Well, not that Duffy never hasn't, but her game on the weekend caught my eye. She's exciting to watch, but I was like, you're more exciting to watch. Because she doesn't, it's like, and this is no offence to her, she doesn't look like an X-Factor player, but then it's like she gets the footy and you're like, whoa, did not expect that. Um, her, she's got a great boot on her. Um, so she's, I knew she was good and there was a lot of hype around her, but she has lived up to it, which I think credit to her because that's quite hard. Hmm. Um, but she's probably one uh, out of the games I watched on the weekend. She's one that stood out to me. Definitely. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, she was, she was a, a natural goal kicker last year too. She does seem like she's just as good and is doing it again. Again, we'll see if they can do it on the road because <laughs> Houghton and Duffy at Fremantle Oval are unstoppable. That's what we've seen oh, so did far. Did you see Houghton's goal on the weekend? Ridiculous. Oh, she didn't even get good collection of the footy and it went through the goal. Sideways. And it was wet. Sideways rain. And it was wet. That was a tough game to watch. I can't imagine wanting to play in conditions like that. No, no. Uh-uh. I don't like I'm such a princess. I don't <laughs> like wearing the footy. My fingers don't like it because they just hurt and ache. No. But that could just be an age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're getting old. Um, and my last question to you. Who will win the men's singles and the women's singles in the AO? Oh, okay. Well, I profess not to be a tennis expert. I watch it. <laughs> I watch it two weeks a year. Um, I'm on, I'm I'm fully invested in Nick Kyrgios. <laughs> I don't care about anything else. I watch him every single time he plays. I watch. I can't say I watch every second of it because when you have a six a.m. start the next day, the five setter is a bit much. Uh-huh, but um, no, well, I was on Petra Kvitova because she's my she's my um. Because she has the story about getting stabbed and then coming back and nearly winning the Australian Open or winning it. I can't remember. So I was like, I'm on her. I like you. But she got eliminated. So I'll, I'll jump on the Barty bandwagon. Um, yeah. For the men's, uh, Djokovic, I don't know. Let's, <laughs> let's say him. He's won a few, hasn't he? I think so. Him and Nadal. I'm yeah. going to go Nadal. Not that you asked me, but now I'm asking well, myself and I say Nadal. That's fine. Nadal. I'm on Nadal. I'd rather Nadal win because he seems like a good person. Yes, he actually does. And I'm going to the tennis tonight. And okay. he's playing at quarter past eight. Yes. But then again, games do not go to schedule. So that could be happening at 9.30. But I could get a chance to see Nadal play. And this is the first time I'm going to the tennis. Because I am also not the biggest tennis advocate. <laughs> but. Well, it's interesting. They're like giving away free tickets more or less, aren't they? Yeah, I heard, um, I heard that they were giving tickets away for like $8 or something. Just because... There's nobody going, um, which I don't blame them because it's not the experience that you would get. No, and it's not school holidays and they've got to compete with AFLW. And, and no one can tough. come over to watch from interstate. So essentially you're relying on Victorians to yep. make up the crowds. And when they've had a case come out of the A already, it's kind of like, oh, I would uh, maybe avoid that. But I'll mask up tonight and go watch. Lovely. Okay, let's get to Ruby Schleicher who will join us now. So now, Chloe... For the first time on this podcast, we are joined by a teammate of yours. Ruby Schleicher joins us, defender, uh, Collingwood veteran at this point. Um, Ruby, how are you going? Good, thank you. I'm a, I'm a veteran that hasn't done that much at this stage. I think I'm finally... <laughs> but it's only taken me five years to hit my straps. But, um, yeah, no, I guess you can call me a veteran, which is scary. <laughs> and, any advice for, for Chloe when she arrived at the club or take her under, under your wing or...? No, well, funny enough, I guess 
everyone can thank me for Chloe making the switch to the. I mean, I'm not. I'm not one to take credit, but I am to thank for Chloe's stellar career so far because she messaged me went back when she was playing basketball, like before she'd like dropped out of the college decision. She messaged me, I think it was on Snapchat because we used to play basketball against each other. And she said, oh, like I really want to play footy. Do you reckon I can do it? And I was like, yes, absolutely. So uh, next thing you know, she's backed out of college and she's we're teammates. So everyone can send me a personal uh, message saying thanks, I reckon. Because I changed your Snapchat name to Up The Pies. Wow. Yeah, well, after I got drafted. Yeah, and then I remember yep. you, I don't know, you were like, oh, is that my name? I was like, oh, yeah, I changed your name to Up the Pies. Well, yeah, I guess personally I just would like to give you a big thank you, Ruba. Like, you know, my career wouldn't be where it is without you right now. So Yeah, look, you, you, you'd be nothing without me, Malloy. We all know that by now. <laughs> so so she's giving you like, because um, obviously you won the Rising Star, did she give you like a, a bit of that check or? No, but I'm assuming when she wins the best and fairest, like the league best and fairest one year, I'm sure she'll give me a shout out in the speech. Oh, you'll be fair. She'll be before mum and you know how important that is. <laughs> oh, I'm not too sure. <laughs> well, she won Mark of the Week in round one, our, our girl Chloe Malloy here. We just found out today. I'm uh, not sure why they're doing Mark of the Week for round one at the end of round two, but I mean, scraping, right. scraping bottle of the barrels there. They should have put your well, Mark no. of the Year with your frigging falcon. <laughs> Yeah, oh, no, that wasn't one of my finest moments. I couldn't allow I was a bit filthy at myself for that. That's the only fine I've gotten this year. Usually I'm the one, and I owe about 100 bucks each year for fines, but um, that's the only fine I've gotten this year was that Falcon in round one. You're flying under the radar. As, as a complete outsider, because I'm, I'm, I'm not in any footy clubs, I haven't played footy since I was 12, how do, how do these fine systems work at Collingwood and who are the, uh, who are the main offenders? Um, we've, so we've got Abby Green and Shani Layton, who are the fine masters. So they do a very good job. They um, dress up as like a theme of the week each week. So this week it was they dressed up as tennis players, obviously with the Oz Open going on. Um, and basically the girls just throughout the week send in, you know, who they want to stitch up, anything dumb that was said over the week. Um, Sarah Rowe has been copying a lot. I think, couldn't you agree on that one, Moy? Yep. <laughs> Yeah, no, Sarah Rowe's been absolutely copying it, rightly deserved as well. <laughs> Agreed. Um, Abby Maloney has been up there. She produces a fair bit. Mm. Rowe um, just puts her neck out, you know, like she just does it to herself. She does. She puts her neck on the line um, and you know, it gets us all a team laugh, so it's good. <laughs> wow. You could probably get um, them to comb through this podcast weekly. You'd get oh. all manner of fines out of Chloe. Oh, 100%. Lucky Definitely. you don't listen to it. Hey, I'll start. On to the, onto the, uh, the more serious uh, stuff, so to say. With our big break, Rubar, being an interstater, how, how did you cope being away from the team? I mean, I guess through that period you're away, but you'd normally come back and play VFLW. How did you keep yourself fit and motivated, um, I guess, being on your own over there in WA? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I was really fortunate that I actually got a waffle season in over there so um East Rio the team that I got drafted out of um that we got you know we I played six or seven games for them we made it into finals made it to the prelim and um unfortunately went down there but um yeah so I was really lucky I actually obviously in WA we've had it um, we had it pretty good over there. It was probably a month of a bit of weirdness and, you know, not, not seeing many people and stuff. But we got back to footy training pretty quickly and 
um, yeah, no, I was really fortunate. I think that sort of has helped me a lot with this year as well, just having that match fitness, um, you know, having sort of a clean year without injuries post the AFL W2020 season. Um, so, yeah, that, that was definitely a massive bonus for me was I could go back and uh, be playing a few games and, like, really enjoying my footy as well. So it's a bit of a different backline for the Pies this year. Obviously, Ash Brazel uh, went down middle of last year. Chloe's made the switch forward. So with you guys, how is it? How how have you gone in terms of like filling that void? Obviously, you've had a had a pretty good year so far. How is how is the team you know replaced two pretty key cogs down back? Yeah, I think as a backline, um, and I reckon it'll be across the board. I mean, Jordan Ruffhead, who's our backline coach, who plays for the men's Pies team, he says it's the same for the men's side that um, the backlines of it's all we're a family within a family we're um extremely like tight-knit very close and um I think you know obviously losing Braz and Moy to up forward um you know we're not we're not too sad about losing Moy up forward when she kicks a couple goals every game we'll we'll cop that um but yeah obviously with Brazzy going down you know as she's obviously a bit of a shoe in coming into the team as long as she gets herself up and um, you know, we're just really tight knit. As I said, we we all trust each other, and that's what it comes down to. And you know, we've obviously got Stacey Livingston down there who plays a huge role, and um, I think that's actually a really key part of the back line is having Stacker, you know, as that last line of defence. And she, you know, if you if you're out on the field with her, or even if you're on the south sidelines, you can hear that she doesn't shut up the entire game. She is constantly chatting away. Um, but yeah, no, we we just all really get along and look after each other. And at this stage, we know how we play. And obviously, we have had to fill those voids. But um, you know, with the younger, we're quite a young backline when you think about it. With you know, Alana Porter and Lauren Butler, Geordie Allen, and myself. Um, but we, we've got a few games of experience under our belts now. With Butts and Jalen having the last two years to um, you know work into it, and they you know they come straight in and play their role and plus more. Um, so, you know, we're, we're pretty confident down back. And, yeah, as I said, we're just a crew that gets along and want to look after each other. Yeah, we definitely have got one of the, the stronger back lines, even in the league, I'd say. Maybe I'm a little bit biased. But you're, you're very modest, Ruba. What's been your mindset coming into this season? Um, you were drafted in the inaugural team, and this has kind of been your breakout year thus far. And um, I know you're using your face to catch the footy sometimes, but we'll, we'll dismiss that. So what's been the change for you? I know you had a waffle season, but um, what's the mindset like coming into this? Because you've, you've absolutely blown me away with how you've um, come back. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy that I've, I've been, you know, underwhelming. The lot, and I'll, I'll be the first to say it is my, you know, my first three years was, I wasn't performing performing where I'd like to, um, and I bring that down to fitness as well. Um, you know, over this off season, you know, playing back at home, I really just wanted to work on you know my fitness, and I think it came, you know, that comes with nutrition and yeah, SNC. I had a really good SNC coach back home. I was working with Matt Delau, so um, he really helped me out with that side of things and nutrition wise, just what I was putting into my body and sort of worked out slowly what works for me and um you know when I feel best and you know what works for my body so and it always helps when you you know I think this is my first unbroken pre-season where 
I, you know, wasn't didn't have an injury or wasn't on the sidelines for, you know, more than two weeks or anything like that. So, um, you know, which was a little win for me because every other preseason it has either been, you know, a twisted ankle which had me out for two or three weeks or something like that. So it's nice to sort of have an unbroken preseason and um, get a few games under the belt. But you know, with that fitness, it just you know you get confidence to play and you'd know the same thing. Where you know you played that halfback role where um, I think as basketballers mm-hmm. we our, one of our skills is being able to read the flight of the ball really well and you know the spatial awareness around us so um you know I think you, you know you would have seen it with you playing off that half back line giving that drive and that's something that I you know pride on putting into my game but yeah just being fit really helped that and that was something that you know after my injuries I was, when I broke my wrist I was like okay well there's nothing I can do now except run so I was pretty much just slogging myself in runs, wanting to, you know, get as fit as I can, work on my tank, and that's going to be something I keep building as well. Mm-hmm. You've seen the entire journey of this Collingwood team from, from start to now. Um, what have been some of the big changes from that initial 2016-2017 run where obviously you guys didn't quite have the success you would have wanted in that first era? How have things sort of changed in the last few years where you've become one of the, the powerhouse teams in the comp? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of, to be fair, it still sounds a bit weird when, if you, you know, call us a powerhouse team in the comp, I think, you know, we probably like to think of ourselves as underdogs still. Mm. Um, you know, I think people probably still, I don't know whether they don't expect a whole lot of us. I mean, the last two games, we probably have had a slow start and that's something we're going to work on as a club. But, you know, from that first year, you know, we had a few really big names and, um, it, you know, I actually, I look back and I go, I'm you don't you forget all the girls that you know have gone to other teams that you did play with um and you know what a star-studded lineup we did have but you know that doesn't always work and um obviously you know Wayne Seekman now first coach for the first three years he did a really good job of building the list along with Jess Berger who is in charge of like the list management they did a really good job of you know drafting young and trusting the process and um you know handing the reins over to Steve who I think was the man to take us that next step um and he's just driven the training standards through the roof um the you know he's the first one to give us a you know slap across the slap across the head you know if we need it and um, you know, we get, got a big spray at quarter time this week, so that was nice. But now I think we're um, we're just figuring out what works for us. We're a young team. Um, we like being the underdogs, and you know, if people are going to start thinking of us as a powerhouse, that's really good as well because it means they'll be nervous to come up against us, and that's a team that we want to be known as. But yeah, we're just going to keep working towards it. We're, we're still a young team. Um, but we just love playing with each other. And if we can create a really good team culture that, you know, people want to be a part of, which, you know, is obviously the case when you've got girls like Alicia Newman wanting to come across and be part of the team, um, you know, we're, we're doing a pretty good thing over at Holden Centre. Yeah, I, I actually agree with you. We are considered a powerhouse, but I I still think of us as underdogs. So, yeah, I'm with you on that one, Ruba. Um, how's it been living with the Irish? Um, they're obviously very elite at what they do. Um they got quite good rigs on them. Um, how's it been living with uh, Rowie and Chez? No, it's good. And you know what? They're actually a massive part of um, my performance as well and taking my game to the next level because they're the ones that have helped me learn how to gym properly, learn about nutrition, figure out an eating plan. Like I put 
those three things completely down to them. Um, they, you know, when we first moved in, went Rowie obviously moved in first back in was it 2018 maybe or 2019 I think it was her first season. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, seeing her living with her and seeing how she goes about it. I mean, she's a freak. She's just a freak athlete. She's yep. very stubborn in the way that she trains and um, you know how she handles her body. So seeing that firsthand, that obviously those um, those habits rub off on you and. Um, then when Ash moved in, I mean, she's the S&C coach and she's possibly even more strict on herself than Rowie is and harder on herself. So seeing how they go about it and, you know, it's easy enough that we just go and do our gym together in the morning. So I, I 100% I'd, um, owe a lot of my body changing and my performance to them and how they've rubbed off on me. Mm-hmm. We spoke about uh, Ash Brazel a bit before. Do you think we'll we'll see her this year? I guess this is a question to, to both of you, either one. You want to take it, Ruby? What do you reckon, Brad? Yeah, I hope so. God, I hope so. Um, I think she, she's looking pretty good, and you can tell at training she's just itching to be out there. Don't you reckon, Moy? Yeah, I think it's just a case of you just there's always unexpected hurdles, but she's been joining in training more. She's taken that yellow bib off that they put on um, when it's non-contact, so I think they're slowly easing her in. But she's got to play two sports, so that's the that's probably the biggest right. thing is whether she comes back for one, the other, or yeah, I can't imagine her head's um, overly clear at the minute with what she wants to do. But like Ruby said, she's moving She's moving well. That's good to hear. Um, but yeah, if she did return this year, how would that impact the way your backline is structured? Obviously, you've taken a bit of her role uh, this year. Obviously, you kicked a goal on the weekend. Would, <laughs> will we see you swinging forward maybe? That was from, if you watch carefully, that was from a sneaky 50-metre penalty. So, as a defender, you love a 50 metres because it gives you some sort of chance of kicking a goal, which is nice. I was so so nervous. I was actually like, (laughs) holy crap, I don't know where this Uh, is going to go. Yeah, I know. You know, my dad actually said to me um, before the season started, he said, Rubes, if you kick a goal this year, I'll shout um, you and Corey. Corey's my boyfriend. Uh, dinner at the Crown, so best believe he owes us dinner at the Crown, and I don't think he could believe it either. I think he was feeling that he made that deal with me. Wow. Um, yeah, but no, I don't. You know, definitely not this year. I don't think I'll be swinging forward. Um, I love the back line, and I definitely see myself as a defender, as that you know that high rebound defender. Um, you know, I'm not quite a Malloy that can <laughs> swing forward and be that you know X factor up there. But um, you know, you know, we're pretty fortunate as a back line that. Um, you know, we've obviously, obviously got Stacker who plays that tall defender and that, you know, captain down back. But the rest of us, you know, you've got Alana Porter, the peak speedster, who can go to the quickest girl. But between myself, Brazzy, Butts, Jalen, so Casey, we can all play tall or small. So uh, we're pretty fortunate in that position. And obviously, you know, when Brazzy's ready and if the coaches feel she's ready, you know, they're not going to push her in there early or anything like that. She'll, I'm sure she'll still have to work for a spot like the rest of us have had to. Um, but, yeah, we're in a pretty fortunate position where we can all play, you know, we don't as much think of matchups as much as a team defence and helping helping each other out uh, playing on opponents. Speaking of the 50-metre penalty, there was a cheeky one on the weekend for you guys right on either quarter or half-time. I can't remember who the player was, but drew a nice cheeky 100-metre penalty just to get the momentum swinging the other way. Was there any uh, any talk about that either at the break or after the, after the game? Because it, it seemed to come out of completely nowhere. Yeah, well, we, I mean, we get told about the 50-meter rule, obviously, that came in, I think it was last year or the year before, and um, it was Michaela Can actually, Bully, 
and you know we we check her GPS and she runs about ten k's a game. And we wonder where she's running to because no one else is running that much. So we reckon she's just running circles. But at least we saw then, all right, well, that's what it is. She's sprinting forward and trying to get people off off, off with the fairies, trying to get a 100-metre penalty. But, you know, it did work out for her. She got a bit of praise for that one. It was a bit of a clever move by her. But, yeah, we're, we're wondering where she clock up all these pay pumps. No one else is getting near it. Nowhere near. But we needed that goal, so thank God she got the 100 metre penalty. Yeah, was exactly. Um, I don't have any more questions. Well, I speak to Ruby every second day, so I'm <laughs> sick of it. Well, I'm, we're, well, no, we're sick of each other. I've got uh, one more question for you. Who would win a, a one-on-one on the basketball court between the two of you? Oh, Ruby. Oh, no, no, no. Look, we used to we actually used to line up on each other when we played for play state basketball. So I was in the and it's actually funny, under sixteen state, myself and Malloy swapped, you know, like after games and stuff or after competition you'd swapped a, a jersey or shorts or something. So we swapped <laughs> over shorts and I've still got a bit country shorts. Wow. Um, so it's just it's funny how things work out that now we've ended up on the same team together. It's bloody crazy how the world works. But um, no, Vic Country used to always pip us. Um, so definitely, definitely Malloy, I reckon. <laughs> oh, you're too nice. I'll shout your coffee later. Thank you. I'll pay you. I'll pay <laughs> yeah, you, you later. Will. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ruby, thank you very much for giving us some of your time. And when my uh, Sunday basketball team needs a fill in, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a call. A fill in. Absolutely. Thank you very Perfect. much. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ruba. Well, that was a fun interview with Ruby Schleicher. Thank you very much uh, for coming on. Ruby, thank you for throwing Chloe under the bus. Um, <laughs> I'm still curious to see that one-on-one basketball. That's something Collingwood APRW should organise for social media. Um, She's an absolute cracker. She's one of the best humans going around. I've often said that clubs should hold like basketball tournaments or like soccer goal-kicking tournaments for social media and stuff because fans want to see that stuff. They want to see who can do other things. Do a free throw tournament if you don't want to worry about someone rolling an ankle. Oh, I'll pass, I'll pass it on. Pass it on. on and T- then we'll credit ta- you if it happens. Tell Tash. I want to be there for it too, though. Um, I'll umpire. Um, but moving on from basketball and Australian Open, we've talked about a lot of things in this podcast well, that aren't, aren't footy. We are diverse here. We are diverse, even though we don't really know much about tennis. <laughs> um, we're going to now talk about the big takeaways and big things we've noticed from the first fortnight of the AFLW season. So I've got a few. You've got a few. Um my first one, and we've already talked about this a lot this weekend, revolves around Fremantle. Uh, they have a lot to prove this weekend, as we spoke about in in the first segment of the show. Uh, but can they beat Adelaide? I know I've asked you this question already, so I'm trying to rephrase it a different way. What about Fremantle makes them such a hard team to beat, and will Adelaide have the tools to stop that? I think it's their pressure at the contest makes them hard because they... They make it hard for teams to get it out of out of the source, and I kind of think of it as a tap. You know, you need that tap running for it to be able to go to other places um, and to stream. So when a team like Freeman will shut that source off, it's quite hard. Obviously, it's a game of retention, and you want you you need the footy to kick goals because um, of Fremantle's heat and pressure, and that really stems from Turbo um, Carabao's. That is. Um, it, it instantly puts teams on the back foot and they start to panic in the contest and, and then they do panic handball and then Freeman will just thrive off that. Um, so I think that's what makes them the team to beat is their their heat and pressure at the contest. But then again, Adelaide could be, you know, they are quite a classy, they don't panic team. 
Um, so they could be the ones to, to be the undoing of Fremantle. Fair enough. My takeaway, and I've, obviously it personally affects me, is this year we cannot get too comfortable at all. Nope. Um, literally things can change at the drop of a hat. Games change. You could be traveling. The next minute you're not traveling. Um, so that's that's my – we need to be – this is probably the most flexible and adaptable we need to be as a whole, not just the players themselves, like fans, everything. We can only control what we can and we can't control how many cases each state has. So my biggest takeaway for the whole season even is that don't get too comfortable. No, and obviously, evidently, you can't really prepare for other teams either because... No, prepare for all. Have a scouting. I know it's going to put the scouters um, I mean, under the pump, but scout every team. If, if your game is changed, that's two weeks in a row that you guys have had to flip preparation for a, for a different team. Mm-hmm. So you don't... Then again, you don't want to leave it too late and you don't want to leave it, do it too early because you're like, well, that's crap. But mm. oh, I, changes quicker than... It's easier for you. You're just like, uh, which defender am I going <laughs> to destroy this week? Who do you reckon you'll get from Richmond? Um, Monaghan or is she more rebounding? No, nah, Monaghan's probably a good one. Size-wise, we match up quite well. I think um, Harriet Cordner might go to one of our taller ones. Yeah. Um, Sarah Darcy's in the back line now. So. That's, that's another good point, isn't it? Yeah, old foe there. Um, Sarah Darcy might come to me even, but then again, she might go to Shero. Um, I don't know. They've got a few that are my height and that could come on me. I think either Monaghan or Sarah Darcy will probably come to me. Will there be any, any lip there between the ex-players or? Nah, nah. I respect Darcy and, and her move to Richmond. Um, you know, I couldn't be any more happy for her. She actually called me and let me know. And, and I said to her, I said, Darcy. <laughs> It's like like we've said, you can't hold anything against anyone no. for wanting to move within the AFRW. So she told me, and you could tell she was so nervous on the other end of the phone, but I said to her, I was like, mate, are you happy? And she said, yep. So I said, God forbid, whatever everyone else thinks. Like, if you're Correct. happy with the decision in the nicest way, everyone else can go get. Make your life as easy as possible. If they're offering more money, we will never hold that against you because this is a until they start paying everyone enough money to live mm-hmm. on, make as much money as you can. Go get that back. That's 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 our philosophy. Um, speaking of of Richmond, Carlton is really missing Sarah Hosking and Chloe Dalton. That's that's one of my takeaways from the season. They're really missing that spread on the outside. Prasparkas is having as good a season as she did last year. The issue is when she wins the ball at the back of the contest, there's no one there, or there's, there's no one in the right position. Like the the Carlton wingmen are getting pushed into the stoppage. I've noticed, and that happened a lot in your game with Jamie Lambert just standing on the outside of the stoppage with no one next to her. Pies feed it out, and she's got a clean clearance like the Carlton are really missing those outside players Hosking's gone to Richmond and now become more of an inside mid I think she was best as a wing um, personally Chloe Dolan's obviously preparing for the Olympics Elise O'Day hasn't really done much for the team she's she's been in that inside mid but that role that Caddy Loins was already doing anyway it's sort of superfluous like she's a ball getter like uh, and the point on they collapse at the footy because they're all instinctively ball getters. Yep. So there isn't that kind of a cover mid that hangs out the back because they've all been taught mm. and Loins and O'Day are older older players. So, you know, it's very hard for them to bring in new habits in their game. And Press Parkus knows no different just to go get the footy and put a head over it. So, yeah, they're kind of all playing the same role and no one's really on that outside because it's like I picture in my head – they're all at the contest, all on the ground, looking at each other like, 
well, if you're here, I can't handball to you. Yeah. And if you're here, well, I can't handball to you. Who are we going to handball to? Yeah. And Mimi Hill and Abby McKay are young. They're, they're still learning. Mimi Hill's been really good. I, I, I thought she was unlucky not to get a rising star nom this week. But, yeah, they're still learning. Brazale's a quality wing, but um, she's, she's on her own, more or less. G and Vessio are still playing mostly that half-forward role. I'd probably like to see Georgia G on ball a bit more to sort of fill that hole. But, yeah, Carlin is missing that outside spread, which made them such a, a, a tough team to beat last year. That's one of my takeaways. Yeah, definitely. I can do agree with you there. And another thing I picked up over the weekend, someone who's been averaging 21 and a half disposals, five marks and two goals, all career high numbers. Um, I think Blackers, Ali Blackburn, is a front runner for the BNF at the minute. Um, she's really put that Western Bulldogs team on her shoulders and to be a midfielder and have a scoreboard impact with not just one, not, not like just a sneaky one-off goal. Like she's had two goals each game. Mm. And almost as, you know, dragging that Western Bulldogs team with her and then beating Carlton for her, I could just imagine the emotion after the game. Like, that's a huge win for them. A huge win for them. Um, so I think she, I, I think she's a front runner for the BNF at the minute. She definitely has gone, I think, three and three votes for both games, especially in a winning side as well. Um, so that's that's something I've noticed and I'll keep an eye on it. I totally agree. I think you're right in terms of the, the votes as well. I think she's clearly been the best player in both of her games. We take Ellie Blackburn for granted. I'm not sure if I've said that on this podcast. I probably have because I've been saying it for four years now. She's She's been here since day one. She's been an elite midfielder in the game since day one. She's been a scoreboard-impacting midfielder since day one. She should have won the competition goal-kicking in one year but kicked like 14 behinds or something. <laughs> she's so good, and she was the... I don't want to say she was single-handedly the difference between Carlton and the Bulldogs, but she was basically single-handedly the difference between Carlton and the Bulldogs. Like, the gap between her and everyone else on that field was stark. Mm-hmm. Like, she was far better than Prasparkas, far better than G, far better than Kirsty Lamb, who I had in the votes as well. She was that far ahead of everyone else. It was scary. She's she's a top 10 player. I mean, I had her on the fringe. I think I had her at 10. I think Sarah Black had her at 11 or 10. Mm-hmm. She, she's got to be higher. I think we've got to put her in the same bracket as Prasparkas and Paxman and these players. There's no reason not to. Well, she had like Carney. Uh, I remember the Western Bulldogs team that won the premiership. A lot of them aren't there anymore. And she's, you know, stuck fat there. And for her, she's just, you know, filling the shoes of all those players that she's lost. And so are the other players that are coming through. But yeah, she's really, she's been um, quite a star and, over there in the western suburbs. Fair enough. Um, my next one, North Melbourne's backline is underrated. They, I know you guys played them in a practice match a few weeks ago, so I'll get your thoughts on that. But they, they, they just don't concede goals. They've conceded goals in two of their eight quarters so far. And St Kilda is not a, not a weak team. They're not a team that, like, they can score goals in a lot of ways. They can get them out the back. They can use speed on the outside. They've got key forwards. They've got marking targets. They've got dangerous plays when the ball hits the ground. They could get they could get the ball forward. They couldn't score. And I think we don't give players like Danielle Hardiman enough credit. I really, really was upset when she left Carlton for North because she was such a key player. Mm-hmm. She's so underrated. Talia Randall is so good. This North back line, yes, it, yes the midfield dominance helps. Um... And yes, having such a potent forward line also helps. But yeah, I, I, 
I'm curious to see this Melbourne game because their forward line is really good. Their forward line has really gotten the job done. They've got the three key forwards, uh, sorry, the two key forwards in Cunningham and Zanka. Uh, Bannon looks great. Shelley Scott gets the job done. Kate Hoare is the X factor. Uh, they, they've got a really interesting forward line, and this is a really good back line. So to me, this is almost the matchup of the, of the week. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's at Casey Field, so it's probably going to be know, skewed somewhat. That is just actually spewing. It, it would have been a, probably a more even contest at a more neutral ground. But I think the thing about the North Melbourne back line is that they all they all fly for contests. They've all got a lot of confidence in themselves, um, and they just they're so they're quite. <laughs> They are very physical um, team, and they just all fly at the footy, um, and they're just in sync with each other. They almost like help. One flies, so one will get into a position to be like, "Oh, I'll read that hand off, like where it's going to come off the hand." Yeah, they're just they're very, very, very confident team, and I th- think that's you know stems from the midfield and the midfield. They flood back as well, um, and I think that's what makes them quite a good defending team and hard to score against. They are not not afraid to fly for a footy. If they think they're, you know, a couple of seconds behind, they're still going to give it an effort and they'll probably get there um, just because of the confidence they have. And they've still got just stuff in the plug plug back in when she's over that adductor injury. So <laughs> They've still got to inject talent in. Jesus. Um, my last notice, you said... Brisbane, well, this is my notice takeaway. Brisbane have a lot to prove this weekend because, um, as you mentioned, they have versed two of the lower sides. Richmond and Gold Coast. And, but they have been good wins, but are they? did the other teams make them look good or are Brisbane good? It's a great question. So I know I said they're quite underrated, but then as we've gone on to the podcast, I've been thinking about what you said, and I was like, yeah, actually, you make – Really good point. They have versed two of the lower sides, but it's not degrading the Richmond and Gold Coast. But it's you know that question that I just posed: Did they make them look good, or are Brisbane actually good? So I think that one thing to notice this weekend is that Brisbane have a lot to prove. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully you guys get on a, qu- a plane to Queensland and we get to see that because I don't think playing West Coast at home will answer any of those questions for us. They could have a percentage in the 900s if that game goes ahead. They're already at 700. So, uh, yeah, it's a great question. I don't think we'll get the answer this week if they're playing West Coast, unfortunately. Um, And again, no Jess Wushner on the weekend. Yeah. What is going on there? I don't know. Please, someone enlighten us. Please hide this massive secret. Yeah. Please enlighten us as as to what is happening. Because she's not in a cast or anything. Well, as you said, round one, she was an emergency. I can't remember if she was for round two. But well, she was in the rooms. What is going on? Please tell us. Jess Wushner. Because we are confused. And we love Jess Wushner. Wushner. Um, my last one, and this is more of a question as well, mm-hmm. is Georgia Patrikios the most improved player in the comp? And what is her ceiling? Because I didn't have her in my top 30. I had her on the fringe of the top 30. She's comfortably a top 30 player now. Uh, she's probably behind Ellie Blackburn if you were doing the voting after two rounds. She's probably got five votes out of six. I thought she was the best player on the ground in that North Melbourne game, which is saying something. So mm, She really stuck it yeah. to an experienced side. Because what, 27 disposals? She just doesn't stop finding the footy. She's everywhere. Yeah. And is she, she playing midfield? Yeah. Because I remember Cold Cannon's days. She was a winger. And... This, the likes of Press Parkers, you know, um, Patrikios kind of went under the radar a little bit because 
you know, Chris Parkers was ahead and, um, and the one, you know, the one to be drafted. Um, but yeah, to find 27 touches in a game against North Melbourne, yeah. like hats off to the kid because that is a very, very good midfield as we've mentioned many, many times. And the Saints have a young midfield, and really young. I th- and I no doubt every time the footy comes out of her hands, something happens for St Kilda. I don't, I don't know what her ceiling is yet. I don't know if this is her full potential or there's more to come. Um, I mean, we'll see what happens this weekend. But I really like her as a player. She, she definitely is a leader amongst that St Kilda team already, despite her age um, and being so young. She's got a lot of footy smarts about her, and I think that is what we're seeing as the kids come through, yep. is that their footy IQ is a lot more advanced. Skills maybe not much, um, not as much, but she's someone who kind of is an outlier to that. Her footy IQ is there, and also her skills are there. Yep. Um, I reckon she might sneak a goal this weekend. I hope not. Not against Carl. I think she, can do I that think she might sneak like two or three. That's not. Or four. Just take the week off. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very interesting one because she went third in the Victorian section of that draft. The, Gabby Newton's been good. She hasn't been great. Would the Bulldogs... I think if we were to do a redraft... She'd be number one. I, I think, yeah. I think Patrikios. And Carlton took Lucy McAvoy ahead of her. I'm not giving... Lucy McAvoy was really good last year. She's had a fractured cheekbone. She's expected to play this week. So maybe we'll see the McAvoy-Patrikios matchup. But like you said, uh, well, I said, if we were to do a redraft, I do think Patricia is your number one draft pick. She is, absolutely. And we might do that one week. We might go through the draft. Yeah, that'd be cool. Good idea, Pond. That was literally... That was great. This is ideas on the flow. That is how this podcast works. <laughs> and thank you very much for listening to this week's edition of The Boundary. We've done already. Book. It's, it's been oh. an hour. Holy moly. Thank you for tuning in, guys. We are not sponsored by Holy Moly, but if Holy Moly wants to sponsor us... <laughs> Please sponsor us. Or the Glock- I actually wanted to apply for Holy Moly. Oh, but I yeah, thought it right. wasn't a good idea because um, obviously you got AFRW. Well, games. Michelle Cowan did it. Yeah, but I didn't do it. <laughs> Next year. Next year. Hit, hit Chloe up. Holy moly. <laughs> Are you good at mini golf? Or? Oh, I don't know. I'd like to think so, but just ask me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe we'll we'll add that to the basketball um, competition with you and Ruby. We'll throw in a mini golf element. <laughs> I just don't have the patience. I crack it quite easily. <laughs> Well, thank you again for listening to this week's Boundary AFLW podcast. Let me know if you've made it this far into the show on Twitter at Nick Negropontis, at Chloe Malloy with three L's. Nailed it. Um, thank you very much for listening. She is still Chloe Malloy. Um, <laughs> nothing changed there in the last hour. Um, good luck in round three. Thank you. Thank you. And we Good will... luck to you too. Thank you. I'm, I have no part. I mean, <laughs> I, I might be doing the Richmond game, but that time we have no idea what's going on. So. Who knows? Yeah. So we'll see you next week. And enjoy your footy this weekend. Boy!